the youth remained rigid. He was dark-haired with just a sparse frill of whiskers. Handsome, but unformed, like a sculpture not quite finished. His eyes fixed on the figure of the friar before him. A quiver appeared on his upper lip. Frère Jean-Marie kept his bowl extended, staring into the boy's eyes. The boy nodded finally and fumbled in his purse for some coins. When he leaned forward to place them in the bowl, the friar whispered sharply, again in Latin, Tu pratis es. You have been betrayed. The boy's eyes flitted from side to side. His breathing was audible in the night air. I have been sent to help, Frère Jean-Marie whispered. You will not reach your destination alive unless you come with me. Betrayed by whom? The boy's voice squeaked, high-pitched. Philippe Sevrier, Frère Jean-Marie replied, blurting out the first name that came into his head. A spy at the college. I don't know any Philippe Servier, the boy protested. He was frightened of heeding the friar and frightened of ignoring him. But he knows you, said the friar, getting quickly to his feet. The meeting has been changed. I'm Frère Jean-Marie. I'm to take you by a safe route. You can give your communication then. You have it, yes? The boy patted his doublet. Frère Jean-Marie took one step back to the north. The boy did not move. This was the moment. Would the boy give in to authority and follow, or because of suspicion, fear, or just ordinary stubbornness, refuse and continue along his original route? The youth teetered on the possibilities. As the friar stood, his hand outstretched as if offered to a drowning man. I've lost him, the friar thought. But then, no. The boy strode after him. We must hurry, whispered Frère Jean-Marie as they moved east, away from the foot traffic. Our enemies are near. They passed into darkened streets. The friar felt a tug at his cloak. Where are we going? the boy asked. This is the wrong way. We are going to Enclos de Temps, the friar said sharply cocking his head in the direction of the complex that held the great fortress of the Knights Templar. Without waiting for a reply, the friar resumed walking. Magister Ori himself awaits you. Magister Ori? At the temple? Why? The boy, having seated prerogative, hustled along, whispering as if to cement the conspiracy. How did he find out? Frere Jean-Marie did not break stride. The heretic dog, Sevier, was persuaded to confess. It is lucky for you that he did. They had come to a small, narrow street. The friar turned in. Quickly, he said, in here. It leads directly to our destination. The boy hesitated only a fraction of a second before following. Frere Jean-Marie had steeled himself for what had to come next but nonetheless felt his heart beating so rapidly that it felt as though it would explode from his chest. I must do it, he thought. Now, the friar spun. Before the boy could see the dagger that had been concealed in the sleeve of his cloak, Frère Jean-Marie had plunged it into his abdomen, just below the breastbone. The friar withdrew and struck again in almost the same spot. Blood. Warm and syrupy spread over the friar's hand and wrist. The boy, his eyes wide and uncomprehending, reeled back against the wall.
He opened his mouth to cry out, but all that came forth was a soft gurgle. The boy shook his head feebly once or twice, then slid slowly to the ground. Within seconds, he was dead. Frère Jean-Marie stared, partly in horror, partly in wonder, at what he had done. Then he glanced up and down the alley. There was no one, but the exposure could come at any second. He reached frantically into the boy's doublet. There were two sheaves wrapped in oilcloth. The smaller had been given to the boy at the shop. The larger contained the great secret, the discovery that would change Christianity forever.